All right, if you got a Bible, um, you can grab it and turn to Joshua chapter 6. We are going to pick up in Joshua chapter 6 uh, at the beginning there. Um, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Now, uh, what, uh, what's going on? Let me give you a, a, a brief, and I mean it, brief recap of what, what's going on. So re- remember that... Um, uh, we talked last week that the, the setting is that the, the, the children of Israel have went from the east side of the, the Jordan River. Uh, God stopped the, the, the waters and they crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land. Uh, they set up camp there by uh, Gilgal. Uh, some things needed to take place, some housekeeping things needed to take place, uh, namely some circumcision. Um, and uh, from, from that place, uh, we have that the, they, uh, they took the, the first Passover in, in the land. Um, but from that position, we, we, uh, we, we met up with uh, Joshua where he was like standing. It says he was by Jericho. He, he was by Jericho. He was looking at this great fortified city with these walls that were um, ginormous. Uh, and it wasn't just one wall. We talked that there was multiple walls, uh, walls at, at points where they were wide enough for a chariot uh, to, to run on, to, to, to uh, ride on. Um, but uh, the reason I tell you that is because this is, this, the, 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 the city itself was an um, impossible feat. Uh, standing there in the front or, or, or sitting there in front of, um, of Joshua. And when we, uh, when we left off with, with Joshua, it was, there was a, a, a moment that took place where he's standing there perplexed. And as he's you know, trying to figure out, okay, uh, how, how am I going to take and, and conquer this city? Um, he encounters a, a man. And the man in which he encounters, it says that he had, this man was standing there with his sword drawn. And we talked about the fact that it ends up that this man was a, a um, what, what, the, what theologians call a Christophany or a Theophany. It was an appearing of the pre-incarnate Christ. This was Jesus before he came in the flesh. This was him in the Old Testament. He's standing there. The commander of the army of the Lord is standing there with his sword in his hand. And Joshua goes up to him and says, are you for us or are you against us? And the commander of the army of the Lord says, no. And then he proceeds to to reveal to Joshua who he is. And Joshua's response to the commander of the army of the Lord, Joshua's response to Jesus is he falls down on the ground and he worships him. And when he falls down on the ground and he worships him, uh, the the, the commander of the army of the the Lord, Jesus himself says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. And we talked about the the importance of this because Joshua was so focused on how am I going to take this? There's a huge obstacle in my life. And Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he says, look at me. Look to me. Look to my holiness. Because if we're not looking to the holiness of God, and he's saying this to, to, to Joshua, if you're not looking to the holiness of God, you can be overcome by the obstacles in your way. So it was all about the perspective in which Joshua had. So the perspective then of the, that Joshua had was no longer just looking at this, uh, this feet that, that stood before him. The perspective in which Joshua had at this, now at this point was he was in the presence of the Lord 
And he's going to listen to what the, pres- or what, what the Lord has to say. It says that he was laid out, prostrate on the ground. He, he worshipped him. And, and I can um, just picture Joshua like as he's worshipping him and, and, and Jesus says, take off your sandals. So he gets up a little bit and he slips off his shoes and he's just like, he's sitting there just waiting for instruction. What I want to do this week is um, I want to talk about how important that moment was the perspective uh, that, that Joshua had at that moment. Because if, uh, if Joshua didn't have the, the right perspective of the Lord, the plan in which the Lord's going to share with him is not going to make any sense at all. But it was because of the perspective that Joshua had with the Lord or to the Lord or in the presence of the Lord. He had the, the right thinking towards the Lord. And now this, the, the plan in which uh, the Lord is going to uh, um, give him, is go- or is going to communicate to him, it, this plan is going to um, be received well. Now, when, when I say that, I, I think that anybody who has read the, the, the story of um, Jericho, you, you're already thinking, well, the plan probably wasn't received well. But let's do this. Let's uh, jump into chapter one, or I'm sorry, chapter six, verse one. Let's read through this, and I got an observation, one major observation, a, a few points, and then we'll end with um, some action items uh, here. <laughs> Amen. I just gave you the whole outline. I know Type A is like yes, yes, right? Okay, there we go. But um, Joshua chapter six, verse one. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Mind you, this, this was not just a few. I know that some of you have watched, uh, in the meantime, uh, Josh, uh, Josh and the Big Wall, uh, VeggieTales. Anybody? Yeah, okay. So th- this is not Josh and the Big Wall where there's just like a, a handful of people. No, this is millions of people that have come across here. So now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. This is very important because most of the, way, most of the, the uh, um, strategic, uh, the strategic battles or, or the battle strategy for taking a fortified city like this was just to starve them out. Uh, so when they shut the, the, the gate, no one can come out, no one can come in. They had enough reserve inside of, of the city to last a period of time. Why am I telling you that? Well, it's an awesome uh, understanding or a little, little bit of nerdism here that when they have excavated um, the, uh, this archaeological site where, where, where Jericho um, is, uh, they found stores of food there. What does that mean? It means they weren't starved out. They actually said that, that, that some cataclysmic event happened where the walls just were like smashed to the ground. Uh, and, and scientists can't prove, or they can't, they can't explain it. I know, it's right here. And <laughs> it just, God did it, right? Um, but so it, it's interesting to see that they're shut up inside. So, um, uh, the, the people inside of Jericho, they, they, they were fearful of the Israelites there. Not because of the Israelites, but because of the, the Lord of the Israelites. Look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, Now remember, this is still that same encounter. This is still Joshua is worshiping in the presence of the Lord. And, and, and Jesus, the, the, the commander of the army of the Lord, is giving him this instruction here. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, 
I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and, and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that's what we're waiting for today, right? You're hearing the sound of the trumpet, so Jesus comes back. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So let's pause there for, for, for a second. Remember what I said, if Joshua didn't have the proper perspective of, of who he was talking to, this plan in which uh, this guy, this, uh, this guy, the, 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 the commander of the army of the Lord, if he wasn't Jesus, um, and, and if Joshua what, didn't have a proper perspective, this plan would have seemed very crazy. It would have been, wait a second, you want me, you want me to get the band back together, Right? I'm getting a band back together. And you want me to take the band and, and some bodyguards and just walk around, just walk around the, the, the city. Well, what I want us to see is what, what the big idea for this, this whole day or for our, our message today is um, in the fact that God's plan is much bigger than we can imagine, yet we're part of it. So when, 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 what, do I, what do I mean? So Joshua was hearing this plan and he's thinking, wait a second. I'm in the presence of the Lord, so even though it sounds crazy, it makes sense. Because God's plan is way bigger than me, but God's plan involves me. I think that's what, what happens too much with, with, with um, us today, is we think that God's so far off and, and He's not um, interested in me. And I'm not important, and I don't have a, you know, a purpose in His greater plan. Well, that's a lie. Do not ever fall, or, and if you have fallen to that lie, uh, understand that that's a lie of the devil. Because God does have purpose for us. He does have a great plan for us. We're part of His, his grander plan. The one major observation that I see here that God's plan does seem crazy, but it only seems crazy to those who lack faith in Him. God's plan does see, seem crazy, but it only seems crazy to those who lack faith in Him. Why do I say that? Well, I think that there are um, things that we encounter in our life that we know is part of God's plan, but we're like, man, that's crazy. Well, the reason we think it's crazy is because our perspective on the Lord is not where it needs to be. And now I'm not saying that for anybody to, to feel bad about themselves. What I'm, I'm saying is like, if you know, and if you say you're reading or you hear, okay, this is what God's plan is. And we'll talk about exactly what God's plan is here in a minute. But this is what God's plan is. But that just sounds crazy, and it doesn't involve me. Well, what the problem is, is not there's not a problem with the plan. There's not a problem with the person that made the plan. The problem is our perspective towards the person who made that plan. So, so when we're thinking about this and, and we're, we're engaging in this, we have to have that proper perspective of the Lord because He is going to, I guarantee this, I am a, 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 a living illustration here in front of you. God is going to uh, have crazy plans, and He's going to execute things that, like, it, that does not make sense. But you know what? In God's eyes and God's plan, it does make perfect sense because His plan is perfect. Here, what we see here is God's plan seems crazy, but 
It's only crazy to those who lack faith in Him. Now, what I wanted to go on to say is that faith in God's plan is not because it is a perfect plan. Although it is, God's plan is perfect. But faith in God's plan is not because it's a perfect plan. But faith in God's plan is because it's God's plan. I know that sounds redundant, right? Well, I get it. No, no, no. You have to back to that perspective thing. The plan doesn't make sense if the perspective isn't there. God's plan, and we we can have faith in God's plan, not because it's a good plan or even a perfect plan. We can have faith in God's plan because it's God's plan. He's the one that, that came up with it. He's the one that is going to see it through. So that's where we can have faith in God's plan. Now, when we read here in Joshua chapter 6, we see uh, something very important in, in verse 2 that, that helps Joshua. Not only is Joshua, his, his perspective of God is right, but this is also like, it's like icing on top of the cake because it says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its kings and its mighty men of valor. So what is being said is Joshua is there in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is, going, is getting ready to um, give him this plan. He's like, I've already given you the victory here. You, you already have the victory. But just because you already have the victory doesn't mean you don't have to go through uh, and, and the actions. Too often what we have is, is there, there's some type of, of um, distortion in our thinking. Because there will be uh, Christians, there'll be, there'll be some of our brothers and sisters that will say, I'm, I, victory in Jesus, you know, they'll, they'll sing the old hymn. You know, I heard an old, old story about, you know, what's that, uh, the man who came from glory, how a Savior came from glory. I got to yeah, keep in, in step here. But they'll, they'll sing the hymn and they'll say the words, oh, I got victory in Jesus. But they live their life in fear. That you, 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 can't do, you, you can't say, Victory and then fear. You can't hold on to both. And this is what I think that is a good, um, a good picture here that Joshua is not holding on to, to fear of, of Jericho anymore because the Lord has already given him victory. The battle is the Lord's. And, and I think that that's what we have to do with our life. We have to understand that, that Jesus is with us. If we're a, a believer in Christ, that Jesus is with us in every battle in which we face the battle is the Lord's. That doesn't mean that we don't have to go through that, that, that time, that period, or the, those actions. Just like here, the, 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 the um, children of Israel, they're still going to have to walk around the, the city. How many times did they walk around the city? This is, this is what? 13, thank you. Because most people say, well, I do, and they, they get the math wrong. Seven times. No, 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 on the seventh day, they went around seven times. So, anyway. But uh, they still have to go through the, the, the action, even though the, the, the victory has already been given to them. And that's us. The victory has already been given to us, but we still have to go through. But we don't go through it alone. And, and that's why I believe that if we look here and they're, they're talking about playing the music, that was, they were praising God as they were going around the city. They were singing worship music. If Crowder was, they would probably have been singing Crowder if they were if he was back then. Maybe no, I don't know. <laughs> I just seen if y'all awake. God promised the victory, but he still they still had to go through it. Here's three points I want to make of this text. 
as you're getting your pens ready, we, we stop there in verse uh, um, 5 where it says, uh, where, where, where the angel of the Lord is telling Joshua, he says it, that uh, the walls are going to come down. The, look at there. And, uh, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Verse 6. So Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. What, what I love about this is, and this is for free, is like Joshua didn't question the Lord. Are you sure? Are you sure? You are, I mean, I got some guys, some pretty tough guys here that I can equip them, and maybe we have a better chance instead of sending the piccolo players out. I mean, they got sensitive hands. I know that they're, yeah, I mean, the Marine Corps does have a band, but I don't know if they know how to handle that rifle. Uh, but it, it, what we have here is Joshua doesn't say anything of that. He gets, he gets the plan from, from the Lord, and he goes straight to the people, and here's what we're going to do. Again, this is all because of the perspective in which Joshua had to the one he was talking to. Three points that I want to make here um, from this text. The first one is this. Just because God's plan doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it's wrong. Just because God's plan doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean that it's wrong. So, and I think that this is where a lot of us tend to fall in sometimes. Like, well, that doesn't really make sense. If God really wanted me to do this, or God really wanted me to do that, uh, He would make it clear, and it would make sense to me. God's plan doesn't always make sense. Now, that is not a license for you to go do stupid things. Well, I thought God was telling me to do this. No, no, no. no. Not, that goes back to, that goes back to the, per, the, the, the perspective. If you're thinking that God wants you to do something, what you need to do is first start with your perspective and how, how is your, your presence in the holiness of God? Because if, the pre, if your presence in the holiness of God is not where it needs to be, well, the plan in which you think is going to, and it seems crazy, it's because it is crazy and it's not of God. So what we have to do is, remember, back to that presence, come back to, to the presence and the perspective of the one in which you're talking to. So just because God's plan doesn't make sense to, to you doesn't mean it is wrong. Um, it doesn't have to make sense to you. Which, which leads us into the, the, the second point here, that God doesn't need your approval for His plan. No one in the sound of my voice has ever thought of this. I'm sure, right? Even, even at home where you're at. No one has ever thought that, well, i got to approve God's plan. No, 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 here. Because you're all guilty. We're all guilty. Well, I've never said that. It doesn't matter what you say. It's how you act with your life. Because God says, this is what I want, want done, and, and here's a clear plan. Yeah, but I just don't like that one. It doesn't have my stamp of approval. God doesn't need your approval for His plan. What, what God does require for, for, for His plan is your obedience. My obedience. Our obedience. The obedience of Joshua we see right away. So the plan was given to, to Joshua, and he doesn't sit there and say, well, you know what? This, you know, this reminds me of, of the, the Bill Cosby uh, back in the day, the, the Noah bit. Who, who remembers Bill Cosby and, and Noah? Zumba, Zumba, Zumba. Bing! Noah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So it, it reminds me of that, where, where God tells Noah, which is being played by Bill Cosby, that hey, I want you to build an ark, I'm going to flood the, the earth, and, and Noah, which is played by Bill Cosby, says, 
why don't you just let it rain and let the sewers back up and it'll, it'll do just fine. No, there was no moment of, like that with Joshua and the Lord here. The Lord said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get the, 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 the band together, the priest. They're going to go before the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to take uh, and, and put some, some mighty men in the front and mighty men in, in the rear. They're just going to shut up, which is another huge... And we'll get to this next week. Um, next week's going to be about the promise. But next week, we're gonna, we'll, we'll see that they, they, the, the people that walked around the, the, the city didn't say a word, which is a miracle in and of itself, right? Um, I, I don't know how he did it, but uh, God is God. So, but, but think about this. So uh, not only um, the, 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 our, our first point, just because God's plan doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it's wrong. The second one is God doesn't need your approval. Just think about this, because when, when, we, when we learn what God's plan is and we say, ah, I don't like it, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. What God requires is obedience from you. Now, this is not just a whole bunch of, of, of uh, abiding by a whole bunch of rules and regulations and everything. No, God promises us that we will have abundant life. But it's not on our terms. It's on God's terms. Too often what we do is we think, oh, God, He wants me to have a, an abundant life. What do they say? Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, no, no, but that, it, it, does God want us to, to enjoy life? Absolutely, but He wants us to enjoy life on His terms, not on what we think is the best. So back to that, it's God doesn't need your approval. Just because you don't approve of it doesn't mean that, that, that uh, it's not God's plan and it's not what He wants, which goes into the third point here. God's plan is not your plan. You see how these are, are, are kind of, they, they build off of one another? At the end of the day, what we have to be okay with is that God's plan is not your plan. What, what, what do you mean? God has a plan. He, he sees the beginning from the end. He sees all the things in between. And His plan takes into account all of that. All we see is just a little slice of this. So what we have to understand is, is that maybe I want to do something here, or I want to be something or whatever, but what we have to, to look at as a bigger picture is like, God doesn't have to adhere to my plan, because God's plan is not my plan. What I need to do is my plan needs to line up with God's plan, not, not vice versa. We have to, to, to look and say, okay, now, that doesn't mean that He doesn't want us to, to um, enjoy life. No, that is one of the craziest things that Christians do. They think that you have to walk around and mope and, oh, I'm just being humble. No, God wants us to have that abundant life. He wants us to be filled with joy. Like, one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, gentleness, uh, self-control, something else. Like, um, faithfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But one of those is joy. He wants us to be joyful. He doesn't want us to mope. But too often what we do is we think that, well, here's my plan and here's God's plan. Well, my plan is not lining up with God's plan, so I'm going to pout. No, how about let's just make our plan get in line with God's plan. Joshua could have had a crazy idea of starving them out or trying to dig a tunnel under the wall or whatever it was. But whatever, and we will never know until we get to glory and we can ask him. Hey, what were you thinking when you were standing there looking at the wall? 
But whatever it was, it was scrapped when God showed up and gave him the plan. Joshua got in line with with God's plan, even though the, the, the plan which God gave him sounded a little bit off at the time. As you're sitting there, I know that the question is kind of rolling through your head. Okay, I get it. God's plan, just if it doesn't make sense, doesn't mean it's wrong. And God doesn't need, you know, my approval. And God's plan is God's plan, not my plan. So Lee, just what is God's plan? What is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because if you didn't, I don't know. If it's still in my notes. We'd still go there. God's plan, I think there was, there's two parts to, to, to God's plan here. Um, and what I want to focus on here is what God's plan is. Since the fall happened, now I'm not saying a season, I'm saying the fall of mankind, since sin entered into the world, God has had a plan the whole entire time. And what God's plan is, is two things. And, and when I'm saying it's two things, it's multifaceted. You could probably uh, pick these things and make more points for sake of time and our togetherness here. I'm just going to focus on two. God's plan is two things. One, to fulfill His promises. What do I mean by to fulfill His promises? Well, what we have is this picture of Joshua who's standing before Jericho, which stands between them and the rest of the promised land. So God, God's plan is to fulfill His promises. Well, God, what we have to understand is God promised this land to Abraham many, 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 many years before. So almost 500-ish years before all of this took place, even a little bit more than that, maybe 600, I don't know, my math is a little bit off, but many hundreds of years before this land was promised to Abraham and his offspring. And I'll tell you this, if God makes a promise, He comes through on that promise, no matter what the promise is. If God, and this is why God can do this. I love this, this fact. God comes through on His promises because He's the only one who has the power to keep His promises. Jake may promise me that he will never wear that ugly shirt again. Which, I, no, I like the shirt. Just, just, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Do you only pick something else? Jake, will, Jake will, will, will promise me that he'll never, he'll never make a bald joke towards me again. Is that better? Okay, there we go. But, but you know what? It's not within inside of his power to do that because there are, are, are circumstances that, that, that will affect him. And I'll, I'm sure that I'll say things that are just like, just, just do it. Just do it. I mean, it's just, just waiting for that to happen. But the, the fact of the matter is that we can have the best of intentions to keep a promise, but it is outside of our control because we cannot control every element and every situation and everything that takes place. But God can. So when God promises something, He fulfills His promises. This is what, what, what is part of God's plan. So God's plan is to fulfill His promises. First here is to Israel, which is the promised land. Remember in verse 2 it says, I've already given you this. I've already given you this city. You still have to go and do what I say, but the victory is already yours. God's plan is to fulfill His promises to Israel, but then God's plan is to fulfill His, fulfill his promises to us as well. What do, you, what do you mean? Well, I just wrote a few things down here. One of God's promises is, is eternal life. I could stop with there and that'd be great. But not only has God promised us eternal life, He's promised us, this is a huge one, freedom from sin. Oh, wait a second, you can't be free from sin. Yes, you can. 
You can be free from sin, but what we, what we choose to do is we choose to uh, believe the lie of the devil that you'll never be free. No, there will always be sin around us, but we don't have to be uh, overcome and in bondage to it. So he promises us freedom from sin. He, pr- he promises, promises us abundant life. This is one of those things like God doesn't want Christians to be cranky. The, the worst I mean, the, the, the worst image for, um, for the church and for Christianity as a whole is a cranky Christian. Because somebody is cranky or, or, or whatever, ill-tempered, and, but I'm a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, I don't want anything to do with it. It's a bad witness. So God wants us to have this abundant life, the life that we are so filled with, by the Spirit and with the Spirit, hold on, hold on, hold on, Dan. So filled with the Spirit that the Spirit overflows in us. As He's working through us, He's coming in us, He's working in us as He's working through us, our life, it, it, it resembles the presence of God in us. God's not cranky. Well, have you read the Old Testament? Yes, I have. He's a very merciful, loving God. He's a righteous God. But God has promised us, he, 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 His plan is to fulfill His promises. Part of His promise is peace. I mean, that's something that people pray for all the time. I just want peace in the matter. But also, purpose. Those are just a, a handful of things of what God's plan is. God's plan is to fulfill His promises. Now the second thing I want to look at real quick is this. God's plan is to redeem His people for His good pleasure and for our enjoyment. Yes, I said that. For His good pleasure. God, His plan is to redeem His people for His good pleasure and for our enjoyment. What we cannot, what we cannot mistaken is why God created us in the first place. God did not create us out of a need. He created us to worship Him. Now, because He needed worship, because the the greatest expression of worship is love, He created us to love Him, to worship Him. Not that He needed that, but just because He is holy and He deserves that. And what did we do? We jacked it up. And when we jacked it up, that's where the plan really came in place here. The plan since then has been to redeem His people back to Him. Why does He want to redeem His people back to Him? It's for the sole purpose of Him dwelling with us for eternity. What is heaven like? That's a question I get a lot. What is heaven like? I don't know, but Jesus is going to be there, and I'm going to be with Him for eternity. If you don't want that in heaven then you don't want heaven. I heard John Piper say one time, if you could have all of the, 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 the bells and the whistles that people talk about what's happening in, in heaven and no pain and no suffering and streets of gold and you know the, the, the marriage supper of, of the Lamb and all of this stuff, but didn't have Jesus, would you still want heaven? If you want all of these things and you're, you're okay with Jesus not being there, then you need to check your perspective here because something's wrong. Heaven is all about God dwelling with His people. And we will dwell with Him for eternity. That's a beautiful part about about what heaven is. So God's plan is to redeem His people so that 
we, we can, at the end of, of this time on this earth, we can come together and we can worship Him for eternity. In closing, I want to say this. God's plan is a redemptive one. I just said it's, it's to redeem His people. So what we have to understand is God's plan is a redemptive one. That's why we talk about around here what the gospel is. The good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. God wants to redeem His people back. God wants us to be in fellowship with Him. God wants us to commune with Him. Not just now, but for eternity. And that's what all of this is all about. Is understanding that God has this bigger plan. This huge plan. It's bigger than we can imagine, but guess what? Yet we're a part of this big plan. So when people say, I I don't have purpose for my life. Yes, you do. If you have breath in your body, God has a plan for your life. And your plan is part of His grander plan. I'm going to ask everybody to, to, to bow your, your heads right now. And hey everybody, thanks for joining us today. Uh, what we're doing at this time is uh, we're going to have a, a time of reflection and an invitation here um, at the, the live service. So you're seeing this video just to, to uh, uh, just thank you for, for being with us and uh, to encourage you to take a moment and just think about what was said um, and, and ask God how um, he, he can transform you and he can mold you through the words that were preached today uh, and the songs that were sung. So again, we thank you for, for being with us and I uh, hope you have a, a blessed week and we will uh, we'll see you soon.